Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Matt Jafoon, co-founder and CEO of Occupier, a lease management platform that's raised $16 million in funding. Matt, thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problem. So before we begin talking about what you're building, let's start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Sure. Yeah, so Matt Jafoon, I'm co-founder of Occupier. I live in Boston, Massachusetts, where about a third of our company has an office. And then we also have offices in New York and Austin, Texas. My background, I grew up in upstate New York. I went to a small college in Maine. And then after that, I got directly into the corporate real estate space as a broker. And I spent about a decade working at JLL, which is one of the largest global commercial real estate services firm doing uh, leasing for tenants and landlords. And, and throughout that process, kind of started getting interested in using technology to solve the kind of pain points of the people that were transacting commercial leases. Uh, so in 2014, I left my job at JLL. And I joined a startup called VTS. At the time, they were called View the Space. They were doing marketing technology for commercial office buildings. But then the platform evolved into being a full-blown leasing and asset management software platform for some of the largest institutional landlords on earth. And so I rode the wave of VTS growing from our Series A funding all the way through, you know, now their unicorn valuation. But in 2018, Along with a couple of colleagues from BTS, we started Occupier, which is a lease management software platform for tenants. We help corporate occupiers, retail occupiers, restaurant groups, franchises, you name it. Anybody that occupies leased space uses our software to manage the entire lifecycle of their leases through transaction management, lease administration, and uh, staying in compliance with lease accounting regulations. Very interesting. And we're going to dive deeper into Occupier here soon. But two questions we'd like to ask just to better understand what makes you tick as a founder and entrepreneur. What CEO do you admire the most? And what do you admire about them? I'll be honest, I don't really like have too many just like corporate CEOs or entrepreneurial idols that I follow. I think that like people can get really caught up trying to emulate certain things about certain people. I think what makes great leaders great is their ability to use, you know, their own tools and their own personality to inspire others. So I'm going to say Phil Jackson, because I thought he created probably the most, you know, high performing team, you know, ever. Obviously he had Michael Jordan on his teams and Scottie Pippen and in the cast of players, but to be able to motivate people to that level of greatness, I think is something that is pretty admirable. Nice. Yeah. That's a great call out. And what about books? Is there a specific book that's had a major impact on you as a founder? And this can be a you know typical business book or just a personal book that's influenced how you view the world. Yeah, I kind of the same theme of the first question. I, I don't read a ton of business books. Obviously, um, day in, day out, you think you're reading a ton of stuff to help you optimize your business. But I am kind of a history buff and I love to read biographies of like really interesting people. So I think the the one that I always kind of like I go back to is I read a John McCullough's biography of John Adams. And, you know, the guy just accomplished so much in a time period where literally he was riding a horse from Boston to Philadelphia in the middle of the winter to, you know, figure out how to create a country and, you know, sailing across the Atlantic in a wooden ship and stuff like that. So I, I love reading stuff about that because it just brings into perspective how easy our lives can be uh, these days, even though we feel like everything is such a challenge. 
How long is that one? Because I'm I'm also interested in these types of historical books, but they tend to be so long sometimes. Yeah, you usually have to have like your page turner like by the bedside because it's not, you know, <laughs> yeah, they can take a while to get through. It's like those types of books are like 600 pages long. So you really need to kind of devote yourself, you know, to long periods of like big chunks of reading or you'll never finish them. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Nice. Very cool. All right. Well, let's change gears now. And I know you touched on Occupier a bit, but let's dive deeper. Can you just walk us through that origin story and the, just the early days of the company? Yeah. I mean, the origin really goes back to just being in the seat of a broker in like commercial real estate, just because that's where you learn the ins and outs of the business, what works, what doesn't. And as somebody who is always kind of thinking about better ways to do things, I wasn't that impressed with like the level of technology that this massive asset class of an industry used while I worked there. You know, big corporates have, you know, very rigid ways that they look at technology, at least back, you know, a decade ago they did. I think they've all evolved a little bit at this point. But as I was saying earlier, I left to go work at a startup because I saw the promise of how like easy to implement, lightweight, like cloud and mobile technology could help the job that I used to do. So I made a personal bet to, you know, give up a pretty good career as a broker to go work at a startup. And it was during my time working at BTS, that my eyes just kind of opened up to like how much run room there was for innovation in commercial real estate. And what BTS did specifically was created software so that owners of office buildings and office portfolios could have like one command center view of all of the tenants in their portfolio, every space down to the square foot, how much those tenants were paying, which ones were likely to renew in their buildings, essentially giving the owners of these companies a command center view over how well their portfolios are doing so they could act strategically on data and make really good decisions, much less just like work, work smoother using one central piece of technology. So we were selling this software to building owners, but it was during my time at BTS that, you know, I started thinking about like what type of technology do the actual occupants of these buildings use? How advanced is it? Are these old systems? Are they homegrown systems? Because the pain points for a commercial tenant are sometimes probably bigger than they might be for, for landlords. Because when you are occupying space, especially if you have this multinational or like national portfolio of leases, real estate tends to be the second largest expense for your business behind payroll. So if you're not managing it properly, you're most likely making a lot of mistakes that are costing your company a lot of money. So when we started digging into this idea, you know, it was, it was kind of a side project for a while, having a full-time job. And then, you know, we started to get some customer traction, at least some interest that, you know, made us dig a little bit deeper. And so the idea was really born out of like a combination of working in the commercial real estate space and also working at a technology company that was innovating in a pretty stagnant industry and just realizing there's probably more room for better solutions. So yeah, 2018, we decided to take the leap. Myself, Andrew Flank, Eric Pearson joined up and we founded a company and, you know, we've kind of not looked back ever since. And on the website, I see the text, the future of lease management is here. Before we dive deeper into the future of lease management and what that looks like, can you just talk to us a bit more about what the state of lease management looks like if you're you know, one of the customers who are you know, in the market looking for lease management software? Yeah. So, you know, there's probably two categories of customers. One is people that actually are already using an existing system to do what they need to do to manage their leases. And the others are people that have never adopted technology for this at all. 
So the state of the market is a combination of people trying to make real estate decisions by pouring over PDF leases or trying to manage the massive spreadsheet, which are fraught with errors and require a ton of manual upkeep. Or you have companies that have adopted software for this already, but the software category itself has been around for quite some time now. And we're talking a couple of decades and the tools that are in market right now just aren't fit for the way that like modern business gets done. So we're talking about software that's been developed for a lot of them, probably initially on-premise moved to the cloud, their user interface is clunky. It's tough for them to, you know, really keep up and rapidly iterate on the product such that the customer's needs are met. And each customer obviously has different needs, but generally speaking, you know, commercial leases are, are relatively standard. I wouldn't say they're at all standard in terms of, you know, documentation, but the data that you're managing out of these are things like, you know, rent schedules, dates, contact information, legal clauses. So the technology is built right. And you think about all of the stakeholders within a company that are increasingly getting involved in the commercial leasing, like decision-making process, you know, you can envision a world where all of those people are working out of one system. So I think the biggest differentiator for us in the competitive landscape is our product serves multiple stakeholder groups within the business, not just the the accountant or finance person who needs to close the books, not just the head of real estate that needs to sign the leases, but everybody else throughout the organization that needs access to the information. And is there a certain number of leases where a company needs to start looking for a lease management software? Like, for example, just looking through the site, I see, you know, Bluestone Coffee. That makes sense. I can imagine they have a lot of different leases that they have to manage. But what about, you know, a company like HubSpot? I don't imagine them having like hundreds of leases to manage. So what is that number? Is there a sweet spot where you see this needs to be something that they have? Yeah, you'd be surprised at how many offices some of these companies have, to be honest, because the way that the world has shifted recently is there's the idea of flex work and remote work. So a lot of tech companies use HubSpot, as an example, might set up beachhead offices in cities around the world in a WeWork or an Industrious or something like that. So that is actually a lease that they have to account for, but they might have several of those. But yes, to the question, how many leases does it really start to become painful to manage? It could be as few as, you know, five leases. And what's really driving adoption in this category is the recent changes of the lease accounting rules. So whether you have like a couple of leases, if you're subject to gap accounting, you need to follow this very strict, almost Byzantine code on how you account for your leases on your balance sheet. So, you know, a mom and pop like restaurant operator that has five locations in Nashville you know, still has to generate the right reports to pass their audit. So that is putting downward pressure on the number of leases that you might need. But in general, you know, once the company has a full-time person that's responsible for this, you know, that's typically when they start looking at adopting software. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And are there any numbers you can share just to demonstrate the growth, traction, and adoption that you're seeing today? Yeah. I mean, we've got I think in the last, call it three years of actively selling the software, we're upwards of 300 customers. So that's 300 businesses that use our software. We're talking about tens of thousands of leases in our system, thousands of deals being created. And, you know, from a revenue standpoint, we've raised our Series A financing back in about a year ago. So, you know, we're at that scaling point, you know, Series A profiles of numbers. And yeah, we're growing quarter over quarter by 100% pretty consistently. And take us back to those early days on your journey to find product market fit. 
what was that like? You know, what were some of those challenges that you encountered? And then when you did find product market fit, what did that feel like? And what was that like? Yeah. So, I mean, before we even had a product, it was all about talking to customers. So the more people you talk to, the more you learn. And then the more feedback you get, the more you realize you really need to focus in the product and the pain points and the ROI. So product market fit, you know, probably didn't come until after we sold our product, had people using the product, got feedback on the product, and then started to build a kind of repeatable go-to-market motion so that you could actually repeat the outcomes of signing up certain types of customers. So I think, you know, I don't profess to be an expert on like what the definition of product market fit is, but to me, it has multiple dimensions. Part of it is, does the product actually sell at the pain point of the user? And then one is how widespread is this problem? And is there a big enough market for it to fit into? So from a product standpoint, we had a narrow aperture on what the product did, because what you'll learn when you start talking to customers is that they all ask you for different bells and whistles. If you keep trying to you know, go down every path of product feedback that you get, you're going to build a product that's a mile wide, but only an inch deep. And that is just a recipe for, you know, customers churning. So we decided to focus on a very specific ideal customer profile, learn from them, then build our go-to-market motion around that customer profile. So just, you know, building some simple funnel math, how many customers do we need to get to a certain revenue run rate? And then how does that factor into how many sales emails we need to send? How many customers do we need to talk to? How many deals do we need to get in the pipeline? So for the first, I'd call it like two years of the company. That's like what we were, we were building that engine so that, you know, when we get, went out to raise our seed round, we had really strong product market fit and it was a really a much easier story to tell. Interesting. Makes a lot of sense. And I also see on the website, you guys are honestly just dominating the G2 grid for lease administration and winning a lot of awards there, getting a lot of recognition there. So how do you think about your market category? Is this a lease administration play or is it lease management or is this a totally new category that you're going to eventually try to create or are you in the middle of creating a new category as we speak? I think we're like evolving a category that already exists. You know, like lease administration software has been around like, forever since probably the 90s when software was actually starting to be used by businesses. A lot of that software still looks like it was built in the 1990s and it only services, like I mentioned earlier, like a certain persona in like the decision-making tree. So what we see is the opportunity to create a better product that exists today, but also have a centralized place for the business to have like a backbone for its second largest expense, which is real estate. So, you know, you'd probably be surprised, but people in the sales organization, the marketing team, the IT team the C-suite, they all need access to some sort of real estate data at any given time, you know, in their workflow. And an example would be if I'm a restaurant chain and, you know, I'm the chief business officer that's responsible for these restaurants making money, my leases are all based on percentage rents. So I need to know how much sales is being generated per location. That might be a key indicator for my side of the business. So there are people within every organization that need access to this information. And so if you literally drew out the whole process of the life cycle of a lease. You could see where all of these stakeholders are being pulled in to this process. And it just is, a, it's a renewable cycle. Leases renew, they expire, they move, they relocate, they grow, they downsize, et cetera. So there's so many stakeholders that touch this information and they're not just internal stakeholders, they're external stakeholders as well. So brokers, construction managers, architects, attorneys, accountants, CPAs, anybody that is like treating something in this process, you know, they should all be working out of a central place. 
So our vision is to kind of build on what exists today in the lease administration, lease accounting market, but tie it into like one workflow tool that generates all the necessary data and user interactions that a company would need to essentially be the backbone of their real estate operations. And as you mentioned there, you know, this is an established market and I'm sure it's a crowded market, but you guys are dominating it and growing very fast. So what do you attribute to that success? What have you done right to rise above all of that noise? I think it's just the focus of our team. You know, we're roughly 45 people at our company right now. So we don't have the luxury to embark on interesting side projects or, you know, like I'd mentioned earlier, go too wide with the surface area of our platform. So it's a huge market. There's, you know, millions of companies on earth, right? And eventually all of them are going to, you know, need something like this. So our view on it is if we could be really focused on the product that we build, the value that we bring to our users and the message that we send when we go into the market to talk to them, we will be successful, whether there's competitors in the market or not. You know, some of our deals are net new customers that are just buying this type of software for the first time, but a lot of them are also competitive situations where somebody might be dissatisfied with their current system and in comes the occupier, which from a differentiation standpoint, the product to your question, it's the fastest to implement. It's the easiest to use platform out there. So if you open up the screen, it's like an iPhone, you turn your iPhone on, you automatically know how to use it. There's no like heavy setup. There's not a huge implementation period. So the time to value that our customers experience is, is pretty rapid. And that just builds a great customer experience. So you mentioned our G2 reviews, you know, they're all positive because I think people in the commercial real estate space generally think that things happen slowly and the technology sucks. And all of a sudden they introduce to like a really elegant way of doing what they're doing. And it doesn't cost them a lot of money. It doesn't take them a lot of time and it immediately solves their pain. You know, then you have the recipes for success. Interesting. And as I'm sure you've experienced, bringing innovative tech to market isn't always easy and there can be some challenges along the way. So if we had to just choose one challenge that you experienced and then overcame, what would that challenge be and how'd you overcome it? Yeah, being a former broker, Andrew Flint, my co-founder and I, both former brokers, like we came at this problem from the perspective of deals. So when I say deals, I mean the process of signing a lease transaction. It's a super clunky process. It involves a lot of stakeholders, you know, middlemen on both the tenant and landlord side, a lot of stakeholders who are moving through a really paper-driven process. So our initial vision was let's digitize that, which we did. And we still have a long runway of improvements we could make on that product. But then we built lease administration software. So the natural evolution was, well, if people sign leases, they're going to need a place to keep them you know, let's build a better lease administration mousetrap. But the biggest problem that we've had to overcome was once we realized that people were using our lease administration software, they started coming and asking us, when are we going to have lease accounting software available that would allow them to stay in compliance with ASC 842 and IFRS 16 lease accounting standards? And we were like, uh, you know, we weren't really thinking about building that just yet. But the market was like coming at us so fast because these rules just changed. And all of these finance professionals were like, you know, I can't do this in Excel. I don't really know these rules well enough. I'm looking for software to automate this. So we actually started losing some competitive deals to companies that already had lease accounting module in their systems. So at that point, like we had to make the decision to build that software and it's still in development, you know, but we did bring it to market. 
Um, and I think that was the biggest challenge because we had to reorient our product team to be able to build software for accounting, which is very intricate. It's very involved with obviously numbers. So it has to be very accurate. And then if you're building that product and you're going to bring that product to market, you have to reorient the whole sales marketing customer success group within your company to properly, you know, sell it, properly handle the implementations, properly deal with customer support requests and stuff like that. So I'd say that was the, probably the largest challenge. We're over the hump on it right now because we have obviously brave reviews on that software as well. But I think it's just maybe it's a typical startup thing is where you get into the market and you do some learnings and you realize, okay, the initial piece that we had in our business isn't exactly what it is today in reality. We have to like make some quick decisions and those might be kind of initially painful, but it's the right move for the business. So I think that was kind of probably the biggest challenge that we faced. Yeah, and I'm so sure you're not the first startup to have a thesis that you know, turns out not to be totally true when you bring it to <laughs> <Yeah>. market. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, last question here for you before we wrap. So let's zoom out into the future. Let's go three years from today. You know, what does Occupier look like? Well, three years from today, we hope to have obviously several hundreds more customers, if not thousands. And we are the preeminent lease management software company on the market. And when we're talking to companies as large as, you know, Procter & Gamble or PepsiCo, all the way down to franchise groups of, you know, Subway restaurants in, you know, a certain region, like we are able to handle everything about their lease management needs. So, you know, our goal is to just continue to execute on that strategy of innovating in a crowded space and then, you know, become the dominant player. And then from there, you know, there's a lot of interesting paths down which we could go from a product innovation standpoint in terms of bringing even more stakeholders into our workflows, adding more value to different aspects of each one of you know our pillar products, whether it's deal management, whether it's lease administration or lease accounting. Nice. That's super cool. All right, Matt. Unfortunately, that's all we're going to have time to cover for today. Before we wrap up here, if people want to follow along with your journey as you continue to build and execute here, where's the best place for them to go? Yes. Well, our website is occupier.com. So you'll, you'll be able to learn everything about us and our product on that website. We host a podcast called The Fully Occupied Show. You can just, you know, look that up in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We cover topics like, you know, innovation in the commercial real estate space, you know, trends that we're seeing, et cetera. We've had some awesome guests on there. You can find me on LinkedIn and then you can find me on Twitter at, at Matt Chipman. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about what you're building and share this vision. This is all super exciting and we look forward to seeing you execute on this vision and hopefully come back in a couple of years and chat with us again. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate it. All right. Take care.